My name is Alec Crawford, and this is Stay, a podcast about sustainability, technology, artificial intelligence, and how they impact you at home, at work, and around the world. I am discussing these topics with high-profile guests to give you important information that goes much deeper than other sources. Find out answers to questions like, can artificial intelligence save the planet? And how does ESG investing affect you? We can build a better, sustainable future together. Hello, it's Alec Crawford from the Stay Sustainable podcast. And today I'd like to welcome Pooja Kosla, uh, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at Intelligent. Welcome, Pooja. Thanks, Alec. It's a pleasure to be with you and the audience here. Thank you. So let's start. Let's kick this off by telling us a little bit about your career journey, starting with your first job. Uh-uh. You're making me think down the line. Okay. So, Alec, I started my career journey as a developmental economist. And I joined ICFI Business School back at India to do research in microfinance women development projects and also to teach as an instructor budding management students in the field of developmental economics and creating win-win solutions where you can help society and you can help yourself to make profits. And now, when I look back 17 years of my life, I see Every other year, we have a fancy abbreviation for what I did. ESG, SRI, PRI, they all come under the area or the umbrella of developmental economics, which was my first job and all the education that I pursued. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, there's a a really cool website that I found called uh, kiva.org, which which allows you to do microfinance and has a whole bunch of different projects. So maybe we'll talk about that more later. Have you heard yeah. of that website before? I did. Yeah. Then I think I came to US as an exchange student to continue my PhD to University of Colorado Boulder. And I started as a teaching assistant and also got promoted as an instructor there and did my research in the field of developmental economics and labor economics. I also did some papers in climate finance while working on my PhD and happened to meet the CEO of my company, Tom Stoner, and David Schimmel, who is the chairman of board at Intelligent. David is a Nobel Prize winner as well. David shared his Nobel Prize with Al Gore. And I loved a book that they wrote, Small Change, Big Games. This book, before the noise that we hear in the market, about regulations that are coming in Europe 
in sustainability finance under SFDR, sustainability financial related disclosures. And before task force of financial related climate disclosure, they were talking about that there is an urgency in the capital market to translate this information from climate models and apply it to business risk or investment risk evaluation. Not sure how in my life, maybe I had too much free time. I landed up with a four masters and a PhD. I, I was able to speak different languages with the team of climate modelers, with the team of financial engineers. And I thought this project is very exciting. And uh, we got a U.S. patent on this translation algorithm that we did. And today we are very proud that Intelligent have clients like United Nations Joint Staff Pension Fund, Society General, Bank of America, UBS, that we are working with to steer the capital markets towards sustainability, but with profitability. Cool. So, so tell me the story about how the Chief Innovation Officer title was chosen. That's such a cool title. Uh, yes, that's a cool title. So I was the third employee in Intelligent, and I, I started my journey in Intelligent as a coder, and then I started selling the patent that I coded, and then I started building up the team. And what I believe my passion is, my passion is to solve problems. Now, we do have problems in companies' operations, in companies' products. Companies always need new products. Or even, I'm right now very attached to fundraising for my company, which needs a lot of innovative ways too, because there are a lot of innovative investors who pay for innovation, who believe in innovation. And I think for a venture capital, for a startup, it is very important to innovate every day, whether it is to reduce our operation cost or to invent a new use case of our existing product or to work with our team to make them more excited about the company or to, you know, go to the clients and offer them what we can help them to do, which will be unique and which will. So I think my passion of innovating became my title. Oh, that's awesome. I, I love innovate every day. Why don't we take a step back and just tell our listeners a little bit more about intelligent and, and what you do. Intelligent is a climate fintech company. What we do is very unique. I call intelligent as a miner of climate models. So there are a lot of climate models, and now I know that our audience is getting more and more aware about these models. And these models have information on how our future will look like when we go from today where we are to a low carbon economy, like a 1.5 degree Paris climate target 
or a 2 degree Paris climate target. To go to those temperature targets, we will need a lot of interventions. We may need interventions by government on policy fronts, like Inflation Reduction Act, carbon tax policies, which we don't see much in US, but in California and in Europe, people do talk a lot about it, which may need technological breakthrough. Look at the technological breakthrough we all are living in. Today, I see more electric cars when I go out from my home than I used to see before. I see more solar panels on roof of the houses than I used to see before. And other shocks like population, we all experienced COVID and the world population was deeply impacted by COVID across domestic products. So where these shocks create an alternative future, which is better, than what we have right now for our planet. And with these shocks, there will be disruptions. There will be disruptions in supply chain of businesses. There will be disruptions in operations of the businesses, or especially in the financial market. There will be disruptions to investors on where they are investing. So we translate these climate models into material, profit and loss, and balance sheet risk estimates, we see how companies will be impacted by the climate change. If we shock the economy with a, with a policy shock, electrification shock, or even a technological breakthrough sh through shock, and we provide and package this information to our clients who are usually financial institutions, banks, pension funds, and others. Well, that sounds really important and uh, maybe required under some of these regulatory rules uh, going forward. The other thing I mentioned is I, I love my Tesla. I bought one of the first uh, Model S's that was ever made. And uh, at this point, I think our family's up to, uh, up to a total of four electric uh, vehicles at this point over time. So I, I just love it. What, speaking of love, what's, what's your favorite part of the job? So my favorite part of the job one is to innovate. I love working with the R&D team, especially everybody can make a product. But what I have realized in 15, 17 years of my career that making a use case is more important than making a product. So brainstorming session with my team that how we can offer our software applications or our scoring applications for a use case. Use case like to satisfy regulatory asks. Use case like reduced balance sheet exposure to climate change risk. Use case like having better returns and better sustainability indicators for investors who wants to make money, but also have a purpose to serve for the planet. So this use case generation is the top exciting job for me. Now that sounds, second, sounds important. Yeah. Oh, second. Okay. Keep going. Second important job that I like is that talking to 
investors and clients about my company who I am very passionate about. Because, you know, when I talk to clients and investors, I learn that everybody is willing to steer the capital markets towards sustainability. But capital markets do not move by an in, without an incentive. And that incentive is profitability. And knowing that this is a common care of so many investors and so many clients, it makes my purpose more and more strong because I see passion, so much passion in the market to collaborate. That's awesome. You mentioned to me earlier that you really like Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In. So tell us a little bit more about that. So, Alec, I'm a mom like Sheryl Steele. And I really like how she beautifully laid down in her book, Struggle of a Mom to deliver a company in a commercially successful format and performing both as an executive and as a mom. There yeah. is too much in the book that I can borrow and directly apply to my life here. Yeah, I totally, totally believe that. Well, my, my kids are all grown up now, so I don't, I don't have to worry as much about that. Um, so, so how can we as a community help close this financing gap? In other words, add, as you were saying, add incentive for uh, investors and other people to promote sustainability? So what I see is that when we talk about sustainability, when we talk about ESG, environmental, social, and governance, in the mix, we should put F the acronym F finance in the center. Because capital markets understand the language of profits and risks better than the profits, prof, better than the language of impact. And if we are able to successfully translate impact into material financial indicators that we can show how balance sheet indicators like revenue and cost will be impacted or that we can show because of reputation risk and balance sheet indicators, revenue and cost, company stock will be impacted. It will become a more and more powerful message and incentive for capital market to think about ESG and sustainability. We have to drive finance into the center. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, I, I do think there's a lot of confusion in the market between ESG investing and then what you, and then you said the word impact. Could you maybe help the audience understand a little bit the difference between impact investing and ESG investing? In my simple brain, I call ESG invest 
investing as a process and impact investing as an output. So ESG is a metrics where you look into companies who are doing environmentally well, who are doing socially well, or who have strong governance standards. But it does not mean that if you invest in a company with good ESG, that company is reducing 1,000 tons of carbon every day. So impact investing to me is more kind of a direct goodness created. If I directly invest in a purpose where I know that purpose is aligned with UN social development goals, SDGs, whether it is climate, whether it is uh, development of frontier and emerging economies, if I can see that clean transfer of money where a measurable impact is created. So that is an output. That is an exact output. Got it. Now for Intelligent and for you, what do you think your biggest challenge will be over the next year? I think the biggest challenge right now for us is, is to translate and get F, the finance in the equation of the climate and to translate in a way where it is transparent because transparency is what market desires, what regulators are going to desire in order to label impact or in order to label ESG. And getting transparency will be the biggest achievement for us at Intelligent and companies like us where we can show regulators, we can show the investors who are investing in the products that we are developing, that we are not a black box. What we do is a step-by-step -step process, and we can come up with step-by-step -step disclosures to show how results of the investments work too. Not only the process, but the outputs of the investments are working as well. That sounds great. And now, obviously, intelligence has been around for a little while. You're, you're engaging with uh, your clients. But are there any third-party organizations you like or recommend to help uh, investors or companies grappling with ESG and sustainable investing? I think there are very many organizations which are doing a lot of complementary work, especially I uh, like the organizations who are doing the carbon footprinting work, scope one, scope two emissions, and also wrapping the heads around scope three, which is kind of a very tricky puzzle to solve on this kind of a market. I also like how we are using power of technology in order to get better for physical risks and in climate, where we are using images of the planet and uh, looking into what 
areas are more prone to storms than others or what areas are more prone to fire than others, especially living in Colorado and facing these distractions alternative years. These things are more important. And if investors are more prepared for these things, that is also very, very important. Got it. Now, shifting gears, as an economist, what do you think the challenges are to the world financial ecosystem now? Alec, one thing that scares me a lot is that we are living in a breakthrough. And when we live in a breakthrough, we go really, really fast. We move really, really fast. Like, I like what governments are doing and coming into with the Regulations Inflation Reduction Act. I also like that a lot of uh, investors have mandates to invest in green projects or renewable projects. But I also know that this is creating an imbalance in economic systems and in economic dynamics. Because being an economist, I know that supply and demand are so, so important. And with these incentives, we are creating the demand, but we are not sure whether we will have a supply to meet this demand or not. Like currently, because of increased demand in batteries, solar panels, wind mines, we are going through a phase which is called as greenflation. In this process of greenflation, the prices of metals like nickel, copper, and others are increasing very, very fast because there is a lot of demand, but the supply is still restricted. And when there is a demand, then we find good and clean ways to meet the supply. And then we find bad ways to meet the supply too. And my worry is that now we have good copper and a bad copper, which is mined in countries with a lot of child labor and a lot of communities moved out. So in we may face a balance where in order to get a clean climate report card, we may disrupt the social and governance systems. Wow. So uh, for young people, uh, if they wanted to do what you're doing today, get a PhD in economics or do something in innovation, like what's, what's your advice to them? So my advice to young people is that first I want to apologize to them that, hey, we are not leaving our planet in a good shape for you to deal with. So every generation coming next to me have to work harder and harder to solve more climate issues, more environmental issues. And every generation coming next to me may have lesser resources to solve those issues because we are consuming so many issues and getting a complicated problem on their table. So my advice to them will be that look into the full supply chain, end-to-end solutions, and think of solutions which are clean, good, from top to bottom. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. I think in some cases that's not that hard. In other cases, it's pretty hard to figure out the full uh, supply chain. Um, is there a specific uh, ESG-related book or, let's say, research paper that you could recommend for people in the field or people studying the area? 
So for me, I am a very big fan of UNIP-FI reports. And I do wait for the UNIP-FI reports. The second are the IPCC reports, which are always on my table because they are generated by the community of scientists who have worked ages to get the pure and unbiased climate views and systems on the table. One book that I liked recently in the ESG space was Electrify, and I will strongly recommend that book to the readers. I know that there are millions of pessimist things about economic transformation in green, but I love the way the book is using the optimistic approach, being an optimistic. Yeah, we can. We may not be able to imagine change over uh, over a decade or 20, 20 years. We just don't know what innovations could happen for sure. So I, obviously, a lot of our listeners uh, work at companies. They're either heads of ESG investing or chief sustainability officers or work in those areas. What's the best advice you can give to a new head of ESG investing or a chief sustainability officer? The best advice I would give to them is that sustainability risk is business risk. And because sustainability risk is the business risk, it is present in the supply chain. It will cause supply chain disruptions. It it will be causing legal and regulatory fines. And we know that that has happened a lot with huge companies last year. It's a big reputation risk as well for the company. People are getting more and more conscious on what they are buying and what they are opting out to buy based on companies' social governance and environmental reputations. And not considering sustainability can also increase operating cost. We saw Costco's burning year before last year. We saw a lot in Colorado, and I believe Florida was not different with the multiple storms it faced. And sustainability risk is also an investment risk. You may not be able to convince investors to invest if you are not able to prove your company is sustainable. So it's an angle where all chief operating officers, chief innovation officers like me, and even the board of the companies and CEOs should consider sustainability risk seriously and tie it together from top to bottom in the system of their companies. Because once it becomes system and processes, it's become a way of life. Yep. That sounds like great advice. And do that before the regulators make you do it. So we're going to shift gears now. The last uh, few minutes or so is called underrated or overrated. And I'll uh, I'll say something and then you tell me whether it's underrated or, or overrated and why. So we're going to start with Adam Smith, overrated or underrated? Underrated. And why is Adam Smith underrated, do you think? So I believe because what Adam Smith says that capital markets are powerful and capital markets believe in incentives and uh, is very, very important. 
and especially in the space where I work, it is very, very important. Awesome. Living in Boulder, Colorado, underrated or overrated? Uh, can I keep that question a secret? Because um, uh, <laughs> I see lot of a lot of people moving in Boulder, and it's a more busy place than before. And I don't want to tell people oh, how wonderful place it is. So can okay, okay, <laughs> a, a double secret, underrated. Okay, uh, next question: the transition to electric vehicles, underrated or overrated? I think it is overrated because I think right now electric vehicles are in hands of the people who can afford them. It still will take time to reach economies of masses and audience of masses, which will become which will be the real change. So it needs more work than before. So for someone who has four masters and a PhD. Getting a PhD in economics, underrated or overrated? Uh, I would say that getting a PhD in economics is underrated. <laughs> economics can solve a lot of problems than that people think they can solve. All right. Next question. An inverted yield curve as an indicator of an upcoming recession, underrated or overrated? I think uh, it is overrated. And uh, I say that because uh, we don't need the yield curve to tell us that the recession is coming. It's <laughs> we, are, we are living in a period of multiple layoffs right now and multiple uh, depletion in the property markets. So, <laughs> Fair enough. Another economics question. The Phillips curve, underrated or overrated? I think Phillips curve is underrated. It's more useful than what we think it is. Have to agree with you. Artificial intelligence today, underrated or overrated? Uh, underrated. I'm loving chat, GTP. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's it's all good until your company decides that you're disclosing too much stuff on it, which I think you're pretty safe with. But some yes. companies have banned it, such as I think Samsung recently yes, banned it. I think yes, yeah, something will some companies will abandon it, or some companies will have their own secure servers to use it. Yeah, voluntary carbon credits underrated or overrated? I think those are overrated. Uh, I. Read examples, see examples where companies have bought the same land in Africa six times to <laughs> to uh, to transplant some trees and the same land. Yeah, <laughs> transparency. You were talking about transparency earlier. We got to create that in yeah. uh, carbon credits, and obviously, mandatory is is uh, yeah. is a much more significant market. Mm -hmm. uh, the movie Free Willy underrated or overrated? I think it is uh, underrated. I love the movie because the movie talks about how beautiful the planet is and how important the freedom is. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much. This, uh, this, this is a great interview with Pooja Kosla, who is the Chief Innovation Officer at Intelligent. Thanks for coming on the show this week, Pooja. 
Thanks. Thanks a lot. It is my pleasure to be with all of you. You are listening to the State Podcast. You can listen anywhere you listen to podcasts. For example, Apple Podcasts. Please like, subscribe, and comment. And you can also find us on stayblog.substack.com. Thanks. I can't do that.